chapter 2, verses 1 through 23. The events of this are recorded in Numbers 20, verse 14, through Numbers 21, verse 20. So we go on to the next stage. Verse, chapter 2, verse 1. Then we turned and set out toward the desert. And on the way to the Red Sea, just as Yahweh told me to do, detouring around Mount Seir for a long time, at this point Yahweh said to me, You have circled around this mountain long enough, now turn north, and instruct these people as follows. You're about ready to cross the border of your relatives and the descendants of Esau who inhabit Seir. They will be afraid of you, so watch yourselves carefully. It's interesting, in Numbers, we just kind of get the sense that they're wandering around. And then God pretty much just skips 38 years and only talks about it in like one incident, the rebellion of Kadesh Kabarnia, of Korah and Dothan and Abraham and those people. Here, we're kind of given the idea that they've actually been going around a mountain. It's been going around a mountain for 38 years. Okay, you thought NASCAR was boring. <laughs> They're just going around this mountain for 38 years, and God says, okay, you've circled it enough. It's been 38 years. Most of you are dead. Let's start going towards there. It's like, wow, talk about really circling the drain. So this is what he does. So now it's time to go. You're going to go to your, your, your relatives. The relatives are the Edomites. Remember, Edom is a descendant of Esau, who is the brother of Jacob, who they come from. And so he says, they're going to be afraid of you, so watch yourself. Now, you think that's kind of weird. Shouldn't it be that they won't be afraid of you? Watch yourself. But remember, fearful animals do a lot of things that are irrational. And so it's like you don't know what Esau, Edomites, are going to do in their fear. People tend to illogically lash out. So do not be hostile towards them because I am not giving you any of their land, not even a footprint, for I have given Mount Seir as an inheritance for Esau. So you have no right to take anything from them. Because I've made promises to Esau. You may purchase food to eat and water to drink from them. All along the way, I, Yahweh, your God, have blessed you in your every effort, and I have been attentive to your travels through this great wasteland. These 40 years I have been with you, and you have lacked nothing. Now, once again, he goes back to the fact that I, Yahweh, brought you through the wasteland. Over and over again, 38 years you went through the wasteland and you survived it. Why did you survive wasteland when nobody else does? Because I was with you. I was with you. Verse 8. So we turned away from our relatives, the descendants of Esau, the inhabitants of Seir, turning from the desert route from Elat and Arizon Geber, and traveling the way of Moab wastelands. So we move on up to the next relatives, the Moabites. Then Yahweh said to me, Do not harass Moab and provoke them to war, for I will not give you any of their land as your, ter- as your territory. This is because I have given Ar to the descendants of Lot as their possession. The Emites used to live there, and people as powerful and numerous as tall as the Anakites. These people, as well as the Anakites, are also considered Rephites, and the Moabites call them Emites. Previously, the Horites lived in Seir, but the descendants of Esau dispossessed and destroyed them and settled in their place, just as Israel did to the land that it came to possess and the land that Yahweh had gave them. Now, this is a little interesting side note. Why is it here? The point that he's making here is this. Likewise, I gave R to the Moabites, 
And that belongs to them as my promises to Lot, as being a relative of Abraham. Now, the point that he's making here is, one, a side note that will be very important when we get into Joshua is, this is not a land grab. This is not about making you a powerful nation so you just go out there and depossess any kind of native people that you feel fit to and grab their land because you want it. God didn't make you powerful. God didn't take care of you. God didn't bless you so you could become a land grab. That's not the point. Okay, there's a very specific land that he gave you, and that is the only land that you're allowed to have. This goes completely contrary to pretty much every other war that has ever been fought in the history of mankind. Even the Persian Gulf was not necessarily a land grab, but it was a land grab for the oil. And so the reality is, is this is not what God brought you here. This is not why he's taking care of you. This is not why he's empowered you. But the other thing that's really important, this is the main point with this little parenthetical statement, side note, is that why are you not allowed to have seer? Because I gave it to the Edomites long before you ever came along. I told the Edomites, you can have seer, and I gave it to them. And they are now there, and it's been their land for a long time because I fulfilled my promise. And not only that, why are you not allowed to have R? Because I gave it to the Moabites. And long before you ever came, I fulfilled my promise to the Moabites, and I gave them the land. And they've been there a long time because I fulfilled my promise. In fact, there were a people group there called the Rephites. And I empowered the Edomites to depossess them so that they could possess the land. Here are two people that you walked by, and all you saw was the fact that they didn't trust you and didn't like you. But I'm telling you that one of the reasons I took you past their land was so that you could see two real examples of my faithfulness to honor my promises to give people land. And that's powerful. That's powerful. You're not allowed to take it because it's not a land grab, but you're also not allowed to take it because I fulfilled my promises to them. And just in the same way that you are a powerful army that they were scared out of their mind about, yet I didn't let you hurt them and I protected them, I'm going to do the same thing for you when you're in your land. I'm going to protect you from everybody else that comes and threatens you. And you need to see that. I mean, a lot of things, it's like, I know sometimes, and I don't know if this is everybody, but I've heard people say this, where they listen to people's testimonies and they're like, well, that's so unfair. Why doesn't God do that for me? Sure, it's easy for them. They have the great marriage, or they got off the drug addiction like that. I'm still struggling, or they got the great house, or they got all the money. Like, that's a great testimony, but that's not how. There's jealousy there. There's fear. Rather than praising God, that here's an example where he has faithfully taken care of them and he's proving to you that he can faithfully honor his promises to you. They might be different promises. They have different land. Not the same land, different land. And maybe your promises are going to be different. And rather than looking at it as jealousy, look at it as, wow, God is faithful. God is faithful. The other thing, and this comes from a guy by the name of Cy Rogers. He's an incredible Christian. But he talks about the example of like, his sister grew, or his wife grew up in a family of multiple kids, and the mother only had enough time for like, I mean, you can't give your attention to everybody all at once. So she would pick one kid every weekend and go and do something special with them. And 
And Side told his wife, he was like, weren't you jealous of that when your mom went off and like spent that weekend with them? And she said, no, because I learned that my mom was always faithful to come to me eventually. And I would celebrate that my sister was having mommy-daughter time. And I knew that when she got back, I was one weekend closer to my time with my mother. And every time she took them out, I was reminded of her faithfulness to take me out too. And it was a constant reminder. And wow, what an incredible way to look at the testimony of things. That when you see people where God's blessing, you're thinking, but mine hasn't come yet. See it as, but this is a demonstration of God's faithfulness. And then celebrate that your brother and sister in Christ have been taken care of. And they are being blessed. And that's what Moses is saying here. These are examples of God's faithfulness. And you completely missed it. You completely missed it. Now, not everybody, because remember at this point, the generation, the older generation is largely gone, but we haven't hit the Moabite prostitutes yet. So there's definitely enough people who completely miss the point that God was trying to make with this. Now, the Rephites. This is one of the only times that the Rephites are mentioned. And basically, the Rephites is a weird word that doesn't really show up, but it means the terrible ones or the defunct ones. Okay, so there was something like really scary. In fact, there is a word that is connected to like not having life. And so some scholars have gone so far to say that these were like all zombies or something. Or like the root word, it says something about not being alive, but yet they were walking around doing things like, nah. So if you hear that somewhere, <laughs> it's not exactly. It has more of the idea of being without life in the sense of without like meaning and purpose and blessings and that kind of stuff. Not that they're literally the walking dead and God defeated them. Cooler, yeah, it is way cooler. <laughs> and it'll make for like a really cool Bible story to fit into our modern genre of zombie obsession. And it makes for a little interesting, like a lot of people connected to the book of Revelation too, and that will happen again one day. But that's all it really is, is entertainment. The reality is here's his faithfulness. Here's his faithfulness. The, the Moabite prostitutes and stuff. So obviously, Moab, who was descendants of Lot, they still received the promise even though they didn't follow. There, that, good question. There's the promises to Abraham, and then there's the Abrahamic covenant. And so the promises to Abraham is that God basically promised, I'm going to make you a great people, and I'm going to give you land. And by the mere fact of being a descendant of Abraham, you're going to have something like that. But then he goes on later with Abraham specifically and says, yet there is this in chapter 17, if you obey me and follow me, then I will bless you and I will be using you as a blessing to the world. And so there is a sense of that. Um, where he does expect of all descendants of Abraham get a certain general blessing, but then the specific line of Abraham through Isaac and then Jacob and then the 12 sons, they have an extra blessing as the covenant people. He is not making a covenant with the Moabites. And so that's where it's different. Now, to the other note, remember they've taken the land earlier. There might have been a time that they did obey. In fact, there's a lot of connections to the fact that the Midianites and the Edomites were the origin of what Yahweh worshipped. 
that one of the reasons that God brought Moses to Mount Sinai is because that's where Yahweh worship was at its purest. And Moses had to learn from the Midianites and the Edomites who Yahweh was. And since there's really nobody else in Egypt and the Canaanites are horrible, he brings them to the Edomites and the, Ed- the Midianites to learn who Yahweh is. So there's a certain sense that they're obeying, but remember they've been laying longer. The second part is, yes, he's still going to hold them accountable though. In the same way that he's going to hold Israel accountable and he's going to punish them when they disobey, there's probably other punishments. For example, when they did do that, God did say, go kill them all who would participate in that, which he's going to say the same to the Israelites later when we get to judges and all that kind of stuff. But even with the covenant promises, remember the covenant said that the minute you disobey this covenant, I have every right to kill you all. Yet God didn't. In fact, every single generation violated the covenant, and yet God kept forgiving them and forgiving them for over 700 years. And then he brought the kings and the prophets, and they did some horrible, nasty things. And he kept saying prophets and saying, I'm going to punish you, I'm going to punish you. And finally, after 700 years, he took them into exile. And so that same patience he shows Israel, he's also showing the Edomites and the Moabites. And so, yes, there are immediate consequences for the actions with the war with the Midianites in chapter 33, I think, of Numbers. Um, but the long-term getting kicked out of the land, that's going to have to wait for a long time because in the same way that God is long-suffering with Israel, he's long-suffering with them. But when it finally comes, remember, um, the prophets like Obadiah, he goes to the Edomites. And in um, Amos, he goes to the Moabites and all them and the prophets, a lot of times we think the prophets are speaking to Israel or Judah, but when you read the prophets, they go to all the countries around them, and they also preach the same thing. And they make the point that, like, even though you aren't the chosen covenant people, you still are created by God, and he still gave you this land, and he still revealed himself to you, and if you don't repent either, the Assyrians are coming for you as well. So that same patience he gives them, he also is going to give the Moabites and all them too. Does that help? Good question. Verse 13. Now get up and cross the Wadi Zerd, so that we so we did so. Now the length of the time that it took us to go from Kadesh Barnea to the crossing of the Wadi Zerd was 38 years. Once again, a little stab stab. Time for all the military men of that generation to die, just as Yahweh had vowed to them. Indeed, it was very hard, it was the very hand of Yahweh that eliminated them from within the camp until they were all gone. God takes direct responsibility for all the different ways they die. Now, we know a lot of these deaths were natural causes. They were due to war. They were due to plagues. But God says, it was all me. He takes responsibility for it all. Now, here's the other thing. I mentioned this last week briefly, but you have to remember that it says that they all died in the wilderness just as Yahweh had vowed or promised. This is something we don't talk a lot about in the church. And even it's kind of like, been kind of a dawning revelation for me in the last couple of years. God is always faithful no matter what. He is faithful to fulfill his promises, and he's also faithful to fulfill his judgments. And he cannot be faithful in one because it feels good, and disloyal in another because we don't like being punished. God is faithful all the time. And I know we say stuff like that. God is good and all, and all the time God is good or God is faithful and all the time. He is faithful all the time. He is a consistent father who says, if you do this, I will bless you. 
And if you don't do it, I will punish you. And he actually follows through with his punishments. And so we actually have to praise Yah. If we are true children of God, we have to praise him for his faithfulness to punish us as much as his faithfulness to bless us. And deep down inside, we know that's true. I know in part, like, oh my gosh, like how do you sing a song like that? But remember, none of us respect parents who never discipline their children. And none of us want those children anywhere around us, let alone working with them or working for them. We do, deep down inside, respect a father and mother who is faithful to their judgments just as much as their blessings and their mercy and grace. And we need to praise Yahweh for that because that punishment also is what makes us keeps us from being spoiled little entitled brats. And that is a, a blessing in itself. A blessing in itself. That's key. And when we get to... When we get to chapter 29 and 30, it's, it's gonna get it's gonna get rough. Reading those passages are like and God, you gotta praise him for it. You gotta praise him for it. Because that's who he is. Remember, God refuses to allow you to box him in. Any questions? 2 verse 16. So it was at that time after all the military men had been eliminated from the community. Yahweh said to me, Today you are going to cross the border of Moab, that is of Ar. But when you come close to the Amorites, Ammonites, do not harass or provoke them, because I am not giving you any of their Ammonites' land as your possession. I have already given it to Lot's descendants as their possession. So here's a third example of God being faithful to another people group because of his promise. That also is considered to be the land of the Rephites. And the Rephites lived there originally, and the Ammonites call them Zomzumanites. And they are the people as powerful, as numerous, as tall as the Anakites. But Yahweh destroyed the Rephites in advance of the Ammonites. So they dispossessed them and settled down in their palace. This is exactly what he did for the descendants of Esau, who lived in Seir, when he destroyed the Horites before them, so that they could dispossess them and settle in their area this very day. As for the Avites, who lived in settlement as far as west of Gaza, the Cathatarites, who came from Crete, destroyed them and settled down in their place. That's a long parenthetical statement. Get up, make war, make your way across the wadi. Aran, look, I have already delivered over you to Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Go ahead, take it, engage him in war. This very day I will begin to fill all the people of the earth with dread and terrify, to terrify them when they hear about you. They will shiver and shake in anticipation of your approach. So God says, look, go, do it. They're already afraid of you. Now, how do, is that actually true? Yes, because when we get to Joshua chapter 2 and 3, Rahab says, all of us are trembling and melting in fear because of you, because we have seen what you did in, or heard what you did in Red Sea, and we've seen what you did to Sihon and Og. So they don't know that yet, but later they're going to find out that's exactly true. 